0: Welcome to another episode of that naturopathic podcast, Doctor Dave Miller, ND here with my esteemed co-host, Doctor Michelle Pobega, ND. What's up?
1: Hi, Dave. How's it going? Good, 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 good. I uh, I ended up investing in this new product line uh, for my own, you know, interests. But then they sent me this really cool sample of a product called Gut Plus from Bi- Body Bio, and it's got. Pre and post biotics in it, and that was kind of the inspiration for today's talk. Oh,
0: that's <laughs> that's such a smooth little story-based intro to our talk on pre, post, and probiotics. Well done.
1: Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. I thought you'd appreciate that, and I got to the point more.
0: You did. It's a big. It's a big topic. We realized, sort of, reviewing some some stuff we know and stuff we forgot and stuff we needed to, um,
1: or maybe get a little better. Learns.
0: Or that too. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so it's a big topic, but we'll try and uh, we'll try and keep it pretty succinct because it could, it could go, uh, you could go off the rails with pre post and uh, probiotics.
1: Mm -hmm. First, I want to chat really quickly about probiotics and just for the listeners. I mean, this is pretty common now. I feel like this has become a lot more common in people's language Probiotics are not something that feels very foreign anymore, especially not in the last decade. There's mm-hmm. been a lot more research about the benefits of probiotics, et cetera. Um, so probiotics are, are live microorganisms that are intended to have health benefits when consumed or even applied to the body. They can be found in yogurt and fermented foods and dietary supplements. But when we think about probiotics, it's meant to it's meant to support the microbiome that's living inside our gut already. Mm-hmm. So a lot of pro or good quality probiotics should be uh should contain strains that are uh what's the word not foreign but like um that, that are that are commensal with the human microflora essentially like that's what a good probiotic should should have for the most part um And a lot of these bacteria will help to digest food, destroy disease-causing cells, produce vitamins, um, and, you know, just like live in harmony with the microbiome to create like a nice robust microbiota in your gut. Because, you know, as Dave and I have talked in the past and your gut microbiome is pivotal and a key for the health of you as a whole human. Mm -hmm. We cannot take that for granted.
0: Yeah, I think that's the key too with the definition is it benefits the host. And so, yeah, like you're saying, the most likely way it's benefiting the host is through, you know, contributing specifically to the microbiota sort mm-hmm. of population. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it it really just needs to benefit you as the host in some way, yeah. which is where the definitions of pre and post and all that sort of get a little bit, um, there's a bit of overlap there, right? Because they, mm-hmm. they also might just make some end products. Right. Which help us. but
1: yeah, and I find I think I think I think the pro- one of the problems of a probiotic is that they don't always colonize within the gastrointestinal tract. Yeah, a lot of it is transient, and it can help for a temporary period of time. Um, because every time you poop, you're going to get rid of some kind of bacterial content. So, I mean, so same with same with a probiotic as like a supplemental form, which is why. It's important to nourish that gut microbiome regularly so that whatever's pooped out, there's still enough of the commensal bacteria living within you. And if you're fueling it and nurturing it, then it'll continue to thrive regardless of what you've lost in your feces. Would that be an accurate statement? Yeah,
0: I got to know No problem with that. No problem you got no beef, you
1: got no beef with that. So most common bacteria that you're going to find in like a probiotic will be from the lactobacillus or the bifidobacterium species. And then some other types of microbes can be used as probiotics, like the lovely and the phenomenal yeast, non pathogenic yeast known as S. Bullardi. Those can have which can also have a benefit, even though it's not quote unquote a bacteria. It's a non pathogenic yeast. And then a lot of different bacteria, a lot of different probiotics will have different effects. So some might, some specific types of lactobacillus can help prevent certain illnesses, but it doesn't mean that every strain of lactobacillus is going to prevent that same illness. Like they all have their own strengths. So, um, you know, there are certain strains that are good to help with like the female vaginal microflora more so than others, like lactobacillus ruteri and rhamnosus. And there's different ones that are studied for different benefits. So just because it says lactobacillus, it doesn't mean that across the board, they all have the same type of effect on your system.
0: Yeah. And they're also strain specific, which is when you're getting, I mean, it seems like you're splitting hairs, but it's, it's not. And then the comparison I would say is, you know, uh, a great Dane and a Chihuahua are both the same species, but they're very, very damn different, uh, depending on your purpose. Um, so this is where, (laughs) this is where I can pull out hairs, my own hairs. Um, please don't. (laughs) I got trichotillomania when I'm studying probiotics, but, um, you know, it's, it, it it is, sometimes it's worth it to, to think, should I spend the money or invest in like the, the strain of that probiotic that has been tested because a strain can have a certain, uh, protein or, or something that it makes that makes it, you know, that, that, that's what makes it have this real probiotic effect, Mm um, so sometimes, yeah, you have to split hairs and be strain specific. Like uh, I I use, you know, Espulardi, you brought that up. Um, Floristore is the one that has the most research and and it's, you know, very specific. Although I do find in this case, I use another brand of Espulardi with pretty darn good clinical uh, success with it. So uh, yeah, if you're the, if you're really, really sort of anal, person then um strain specific matters but sometimes it doesn't
1: <laughs> i wanted to say anal is that pun intended because it's connected to your so
0: uh, you know what uh-huh. some of the best ones they eh? some of the best ones they just plop out of me like that
1: uh-huh there a, yeah. there's a lot of things that could be <laughs> plop anal we're all just it's all in the same the same uh-huh. zone of of, of topic So some of the benefits of a probiotic is to help maintain a healthy community of microorganisms or to help the body's community of microorganisms return to healthier conditions after having been disrupted. So this is where doing things to restore the microflora post-antibiotics or post-infection mm-hmm. is really important. This is also part of where our appendix come in, comes in. It's apparently supposed to be a reservoir, a good bacteria to recede post-infection to allow your body to re like rebalance its microflora. Um benefits uh, a second benefit is to produce substances that have desirable effects on the rest of the body or locally in the digestive system and then number 3 to influence your body's immune response those are three very specific activities or mechanisms of action for a probiotic um in addition to some um Enzymatic activity in producing volatile fatty acids, cell adhesion, cell antagonism, and mucin production. Um, Also, interaction with the gut brain access is a big deal.
0: Mm -hmm. So, uh, the mechanisms uh, by which probiotics work, I think these have been added to over the years. Uh, I thought, I think there was only four or five before, but I see six here from a paper I looked at. Um, Here's the mechanisms. Because they can work in different ways, um, mm-hmm. colonization and normalization of uh, perturbed intestinal microbial communities—that's uh, sort of what what we were talking about. But that's not the case with Espulardi, which doesn't colonize. So mm-hmm. it—you know—probiotics do not have to fit every one of these criteria. These are just no. different ways: um, competitive exclusion of pathogens and bacteriocin uh, production. So, uh, sort of competing for space. Some bacteria will be like. Hey, I don't like living next to that nasty bacteria, and produce something that that other bacteria doesn't like, or you know, kills it.
1: S. So is good for that as well to crowd out.
0: The, yeah, they they're and they they actually will like gobble up, um, mm-hmm. yeah, pathogens. Um, another way is enzymatic activity and production of uh, volatile fatty acids. So, uh, sort of getting into uh, the postbiotic side of things. Um, cell adhesion, cell antagonism and mucin production, which you already brought up uh, mucin production um, modulation of the immune system. That's a big one. And that doesn't have to be a living uh, kind of probiotic either. Probiotic doesn't even have to be living at that point. It can be sort of broken up uh, and still have some um, influence on the immune system as the, as the body's immune system recognizes uh, some of the the proteins, etc., in the, in the uh, probiotic and, and then, makes adjustments to balance, let's say of Th1, Th2, or just overall balance of the uh, immune system. And then like you said, yes, interaction with the brain gut axis is another I think mechanism of action.
1: Part of that it also, uh, I believe our gut bacteria also have an influence with the whole gut brain axis on the production of like serotonin and GABA uh, and totally, dopamine within yes. our digestive system. So that's going to have an influence on that too. Um, and that's where probiotics will also continue to exert their positive effects. Yes. Yay. But here's a big thing is that probiotics, say from like a supplement perspective, probiotics alone don't protect your gut. Now, this might feel controversial because like some people will take a probiotic and they will have it a benefit of their intestinal symptoms or digestive symptoms. But I'm thinking more long-term, like, because you still, like I was already alluding to before, if they're transient and you eliminate them in your poop, and there's nothing and if you're not doing the things to nourish that microflora regardless of whether you're taking probiotics or not then um then then just putting the bacteria back in may just only have temporary positive effects rather than long-term effects cuz you still have to attend to the terrain right so i think sometimes there is a miss misconception like that probiotics are gonna be like the holy grail to like fixing everyone's gut problems and that's not really always the case it could be a part of the puzzle but it's not Mm -hmm. going to be in in isolation going to just totally protect your gut just in and of itself and I just want to be clear about that
0: yeah I, I compare it to like making a nice environment for your kids uh you know like if you have the environment for a child to thrive and every child may need a little bit different environment, but some of the basics, Um, you know, the, really the environment is going to, is going to determine a lot. And you can maybe make some analogies with like, say, think of probiotics as like immigrants coming to your, to your home. Right. And so if you haven't created a nice environment, that's welcoming, it's got like food for them. It's got uh, you know, other bacteria that they're like, they're going to get along with. Um, It's got a
1: a sense of community.
0: Yeah. No, <laughs> seriously. That's, uh, that's but the I'm way, serious. Yeah. that is the way to look at probiotics because they're just travelers. They're just coming through. And if, if, if there's nowhere for them to stay and it's not a happy place for them to stay, they're just, um, they're not going to colonize if they're supposed to colonize. Cause like I said, not all bacteria do, uh, not all probiotics will colonize, but if they're those type, then, you know, that's, and therefore a lot of people will have different different responses to the same probiotics like you know michelle you and i could take different probiotics and have complete or the same probiotics and have completely different responses because our our microbial fingerprint because it is that unique is so different some might like you're hanging out with you and some might like hanging out with me
1: it's true so that's why a probiotic alone is not like the holy grail to protect your gut at least not long term, short term, it can make some positive mm-hmm. effect for sure. But I think long term, again, it's, you got to do things to allow it to flourish. And part and, of and work on your behalf.
0: Yeah. And part of them flourishing will be feeding those probiotics, right?
1: Indeed. So this brings us to the next topic of prebiotics.
0: Damn, that was smooth again. I <sighs>
1: So I'm when I'm on, I'm on. I'm on. Uh, so prebiotics are basically nutrients that are selectively used by host, host microorganisms, basically the bacteria in the gut resulting in health benefits. And they are often pretty much present in plant-based fiber-rich foods.
0: Oh, so, I got a random, I got a random thing to say here. Oh, okay. Sorry, I'm mm. doing it to you. I wonder if this is why some people, uh, issues with prebiotics or, or uh, not prebiotics, issues with colonic foods, which we'll get to, um, I wonder if that's why some people do so well on the carnivore diet, right? Because there's not as many of these colonic foods. Anyway, we can come back to that later.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, same thing with like low FODMAPs and stuff like that too. It's, yeah, exactly. it's going to be a similar extreme because, low because, FODMAP. Yeah. Right. And I think it's, uh, and it makes me wonder is like, are the, are the microbes- is there is there an imbalance in the microbes so that and more preferential to maybe pathogenic or opportunistic? Yeah, so yeah, then, yeah. if you don't feed them, you don't get the disruptions in your health, yes. right? Like I feel like I, is that part of? Uh, I know I always wonder about the carnivore diet too. I don't know if there's Weird enough eh? for us to know long term how that's going to affect us. But mm-hmm. anyways, uh, prebiotic foods they can't be digested and they cannot be absorbed from the sm- from the stump through the stomach and the small intestine. Mm-hmm. So um, they are very selective foods um, for maybe a limited number of potentially beneficial native bacteria species in the intestine. So it's selective is the key thing here. They change the microbiota ecosystem towards a healthier composition. This is, again, back to the: Are you creating an environment that allows these things to thrive? And then it can induce luminal or systemic changes that improve the health of the host. So luminal like locally or full body. Um so those are that that's that's prebiotics. Um yeah. and the, the, basically they're food for a good good gut bacteria. Go mm-hmm. go team. Like that's that's <laughs> like what's wrong with that, man?
0: <laughs> well yeah, that's why having a, a, a sort of uh a diverse diet, uh maybe ideally with lots of different polyphenols mm-hmm. can make a diverse community of probiotics that um or of yeah of colonizing bacteria that, that, um, that really help because if you have such a limited diet, you have limited food, if you have limited food for these, uh, these prebiotics for the bacteria, then you have a limited diversity. And, and we know diversity, uh, is also important as well as density.
1: Totally. They, they completely influence the landscape of the gut microbiome. So help like with maintaining or increasing a population of health protective gut bacteria. Right. So it's again, like it, it, it. they should be preferentially feeding the beneficial microbes to allow them to thrive. So again, that those probiotics or gut microbiome can then work on crowding out pathogenic bacteria and all the mechanisms of action that we listed before, right? Um, if you starve the good bacteria, then they're not going to really work well on your behalf, basically. Mm-hmm. So-
0: So one sort of cool differentiating thing I, uh, we found going through some, some. uh, Dave was
1: really excited about this.
0: (laughs) It it doesn't make sense why I was that excited, but I like when I'm, I find something that I should have known. And one thing that was cool is that prebiotics are, are a colonic food. The definition of a colonic food Mm -hmm. um, is, you know, basically something that uh, promotes the growth or metabolic activity of a number of different bacterial species within the large bowel. However, You'll see, there's not a specificity. So prebiotics are colonic foods, but they're all good. They they only support the good bacteria. They only support uh, uh, movement towards health for the host. Whereas colonic foods, uh, they sort of like help every kind of back, or well, not every. They will help non-specifically uh, a whole bunch of different bacteria in the in the gut. So I thought that mm-hmm. was that was pretty cool, and that includes. Um, uh clonic foods include uh plant cell wall polysaccharides like cellulose hemicelluloses uh pectins and many gums
1: so like cellulose would be like celery like the the like the fibrous <laughs> parts of celery am i correct with that am i yeah. am i accurate with saying that
0: I just, yeah i just never thought of that it's funny
1: so yeah. is that why it's called celery? Because it has. That's why I was laughing. I'm
0: I'm easily amused. Okay.
1: <laughs> but but am I accurate in saying that? If I'm wrong, oh you know, whatever. Don't crucify me, guys. So some examples of like prebiotics. So not just colonic specific, but the prebiotic foods that naturally exist um, are like fructans, including things like inulin and fructooligosaccharides. Uh, galacto oligosaccharides and trans galacto oligosaccharides very long words resistant starches um, as well as just good old oligosaccharides and then polyphenols and cacao derived lavenols Um, and, and, and this is where um, when we go back to that whole conversation we had with Dave Nelson and talking about antioxidants, but not just that, like the polyphenols, he really talked about that in that conversation about alkalinizing the body. And it's through, through the mechanism of fueling the gut bacteria that then we get the benefits of the alkalinized alkalinization for the system. And it was through those polyphenols. So again, just reiterating what Dave said, go Dave, go yeah. Dave Nelson and, and yeah, you Dave. Oh,
0: okay. Keep going.
1: <laughs> go, go team Daves. <laughs> here,
0: here's some other, um, here's some other sort of uh, overall benefits of fructooligosaccharides. Um, again, there'll be some overlap with, with the, the benefits of probiotics in general, because mm-hmm. remember some of the benefits of probiotics include some of um, some overlap here. So, so anyway, fructooligosaccharides uh, produce some enhanced resistance to enteric pathogens. And, um, increasing the resistance, uh, to, to colonization of some of the, uh, the other bacteria by supporting the good guys. So sort of competitively, uh, you know, giving your good guys, the food, um, increased resistance to infections, uh, because of some non-specific stimulation of the immune system, modification of carcinogen metabolism, uh, enhanced absorption of minerals. This is really cool. Couple different ways to help mineral absorption is uh, colonically through prebiotics and also, again, through the stomach, improving stomach acid. Um, improved serum lipid parameters. So, if you've got cholesterol issues and triglyceride issues, and maybe prebiotics should be in there. Improved satiety, very interesting. Um, very interesting because pe- some people's uh, satiety, although it's largely determined by the stomach, is going to be. Uh, you know, modulated by prebiotic ingestion, which I found uh, kind of cool, good thing. I, I've seen it before, but I forgot. And then just improved metabolic health. So probably some issues with uh, weight, uh, body, let's say body composition. Um, And again, inc- increased uh, intestinal mucin production, which is, uh, you know, a protectant for us and actually a food for some other bacteria. And trophic effects on the colonic epithelium, meaning it just supports the healthy tissue in the, in the colon.
1: Mm-hmm. It will often notice on a label of a supplemental probiotic, they will often say FOS as either part of the the main list or even as a non medicinal ingredient or it'll say fos free so the fos free ones are for the people who are maybe a little bit more sensitive to the prebiotics it might Mm. cause more gas or bloating because there, there there is maybe a dysbiosis or a SIBO or an imbalance of the microbes happening so too much of a good thing might still be too much of a good thing in that scenario and cause more discomfort and and digestive issues but then you'll often see FOS in a probiotic, so that if you ha- if you're expecting to have live bacterial cells inside the, the the capsules, there needs to be some fuel to keep them happy. So that's why FOS is often added in there. By the way,
0: mm-hmm.
1: just for the non naturopaths listening,
0: uh, should we talk a little about galacto oligosaccharides?
1: We could, just yeah, just sure. quickly.
0: I mean, there's FOS is the most common, so I really wanted to get that one and that's where, uh, chicory and inulin probably the most common, mm-hmm. um, come in. Uh, but, uh, GOS mm-hmm. are chains of galactose, uh, molecules, uh, with a glucose uh, molecule attached. Um, they're found in all mammal- mammalian milks. So that's, that tells you something interesting about them. Um, and so hence the galacto, uh, cause they're galactagogues or whatever. So, um, There's a lot of overlap, again, with FOS, but here's some of the the research shows that they're helpful for uh, uh, bifidobacteria. Um, They're helpful for constipation specifically, atopy or atopic disease, so skin issues, which is very interesting. Um, Irritable bowel syndrome, which I I, I don't know about using that. Whatever, we'll skip over that because the irritable bowel syndrome is just like a whole bunch of different things, screwy uh, lumped into one category, um, increased resistance to infections. So like some, uh, improved immunity, which really makes sense when you think of the origins of it being, uh, from, from milk, from the mother's milk, because the the baby mammal doesn't have much of an immune system at that time. So that's an easy way to remember that, um, prevention of gastrointestinal infections specifically. So again, related to that increased, uh, absorption of, uh, calcium, uh, just promoting skin health and modulating mood and stress response, which is also interesting. I mean, when I think of them as being the origins of them being from uh, mammalian milk, there's a little bit of a pattern there in in, in terms of uh, what they're good for.
1: Mm-hmm. There are various like fiber-rich containing foods that have array of prebiotics, um, that will have beneficial, like, so that are selective to known beneficial bacteria. So there's like a little bit of a list of things. So like things like asparagus, things like bananas, chicory, garlic, honey, human and cow's milk. I mean, organic cow's milk that hasn't been jacked full of antibiotics and stuff probably would be better. Onions, (laughs) peas, certain seaweeds and microalgies, um, sun chokes, tomatoes, like there's a whole bunch of things that you can eat that are probably already part of your diet that are beginning to provide this. Now, I think there is a key take home though, when you're starting to dose more on a supplemental level though, right, Dave?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, food first is a good way to go as much as you can. Um, but, uh, there, you know, in terms of dosing, uh, prebiotics, it's way higher than I, uh, than I would have thought. Um, the golden rule of prescribing is to start low, but slowly increase in uh, the dose over a period of weeks. Um, and it can get quite high. You you can get up to oh, I think it's like up to like thirty grams um, per day in terms yeah. of dosing fructooligosaccharides or or galactooligosaccharides, which is quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, start low uh, just to sort of acclimatize your um, your inhabitants to the new sort of environment and food supply.
1: So then this brings us to our last, well, okay, actually then there's a sup, there are certain supplements out there that are also known as symbiotics, And basically what that means is it's a blend of probiotics with a bit of prebiotics in there. And that's what a symbiotic is. And I just wanted to briefly mention that since we just talked about both of those topics. Um, but now we kind of just want to get into something called postbiotics and this is where a lot of like the benefits of the first two things that we talked about really come from it's mm-hmm. the postbiotics it's the it's the metabolic end, product, end products
0: yeah
1: right of of a bacteria a health promoting bacteria in your gut eating its fuel it's desired fuels so
0: yeah it's like we we contract out some of the work to these, to these bugs, that's kind of what it's like. You contract us, say, Hey, uh, you know, we can't break this stuff down. Can you've got the skills to break it down? Can you break it down um, and make me some short chain fatty acids? Can you make me some enzymes? Can you make me some B vitamins? Can you make me some vitamin K? Those are some, there's other things that they make for us too, but that's kind of what's going on is you're saying, we'll give you a place to work and live and all that. And now uh, in return for that, can you make some of these end products that, really served me
1: well. hmm Yeah. It's really, it's kind of cool the end products of a bacteria, a health promoting bacteria in our gut e- fueling itself. Like even even certain kinds of amino acids are a byproduct of that, or cell surface proteins, or antimicrobial peptides are even part of the postbiotics. But I think the the biggest shout outs, I mean I think those are all important, but I think some of the biggest things that shine um, is the the production of vitamin K, various B vitamins, but it's really the short-chain fatty acids that seem to be really, yeah. really awesome. So short-chain fatty acids are a product of the fermentation of those plant polysaccharides, i.e. prebiotics by the intestinal microbiota. The most well-known ones are like acetic acid, propionic acid, and butyric acids. Um, and, and of those, which,
0: even butyrate probably is the most... Yeah. Whatever. 100%.
1: Known hundred percent, because it's it's kind of like an all star. Yeah, it's, it does some like badass stuff for us. Like it fuels the enterocytes, which are the cells of your intestinal tract. It helps to renew the intestinal epithelium. It can help modulate gene expression. Um, it's kind of it's kind of amazing how it works locally. Um, but it also has like bigger systemic things where it can help with the immune system. It can help regulate appetite. It can help regulate inflammation. It can help with fat burning. I, I read somewhere that it can help with liver and gallbladder function. You know, I love that. It helps improve your gut function. It controls ammonia. And it also has been shown to have like anti cancer benefits by creating an environment that doesn't allow cancer cells to be able to thrive in as much, which is pretty freaking wild so that's that that's why like your gut microbiome is so important but you also need to create an environment in which that gut microbiome can thrive and then continue to like, cyclically support itself and to create these end products which then creates a better environment and then it just become you know what I mean so that's where like chronic use of antibiotics and crappy diets and you know all these things start to take a hit on these factors, which is why, you know, we're such big fans of, of yes, the probiotics, but it's also the pre and the postbiotics that are, and there's some really cool things coming out now too. Like I said, I got a supplement that was prebiotics and has a very specific type of prebiotic, which I'm not going to get into because I feel like I have to look into that more. Um, But it's the postbiotics, like you just get butyric acid and butyrate, right? like a, Mm -hmm. a sodium butyrate to support these, to, to further facilitate that postbiotic benefits for for someone's gut health and systemic health, which is kind of awesome. So I'm I'm starting to see a little bit more of that coming up, but it's yeah, still but- relatively new. But butyric acid types of supplements and stuff.
0: Yeah, it's and it's the name origin comes from butter, which I just find kind of
1: yeah. Easy. Butter is a source of butyric acid,
0: which is kind of cool. Shout out to butter. Um, so if you had to grossly. Sort of categorize some of the effects of postbiotics. You could say immunomodulatory, anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, anti-cancer. Which is uh, well, that sort of. Let me see.
1: Just kind of sums up a lot of what most most people people. could use. Yeah,
0: yeah, (laughs) exactly.
1: Right. Don't don't underestimate the power of your gut microbiome.
0: And I've I've wondered about vitamin K for for Mm. a while, Michelle, because uh, you know the body does funny things sometimes like you know how we got a lot of people who have maybe uh like calcification of of uh the intima or whatever of the arteries at the same time they got osteoporosis osteopenia it's like well you've you've got enough calcium but you're putting it in the wrong places which is a big part of what vitamin k seems to do it seems to direct calci- calcium to the right spots so when I see people with that, I always wonder about their microbiome now because we we know so much of the vitamin K in us uh is is a result of the uh post the postbiotic effect of whatever bacteria we have,
1: yeah, I mean, I um, think that's n- no, I think that's fair I think that's very fair yeah um we we tend to we yeah. I feel like we often, the thing is, is I I feel like we just have a tendency to get very myopic and sometimes we just get very stuck in like outdated theories of health where there's so much new stuff coming out. And I wish it was more linear and simplistic, but there's there's so many moving parts yeah. Like even just this, a lot of times people thought probiotics were the holy grail. And now we're being like, mm, it's like you have to have the food to feed the probiotics. Yeah. It creates the postbiotic. And that's where things shine. Um. So um, it's it's, but, but it's what you're never- saying about yeah. new. Well, mm-hmm. like
0: I just found a little thing here from one of the papers from 2022. Ninety three percent of all papers retrieved on PubMed using the term postbiotic have been occurred since 2018. So it's, it's, it is it's new,
1: very new to the, yeah. the, idea of postbiotics. Yeah, yeah. I, we didn't learn about this in school. Nope. We learned nope. about the benefits of probiotics and we knew that they were immunomodulating and they helps with inflammation and blah, blah, blah. But we didn't realize it was the postbiotic end products that were really, I don't think we were learned. We didn't learn that step that it's that yeah. that creates the, the effects I mean, yes, the probiotics do some stuff themselves, but it's really the postbiotics that really shine. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: Cool. Yeah. All right. Do you feel quite learned in pre, post, pro, and sin?
1: Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I yeah. hope our audience does too.
0: No, I think that that was uh, that was helpful to go through. And uh, I think it's important uh, for people to to know the bigger picture with probiotics is not just putting... The good guys in there. It's all the things you feed them, and it's all the things they do for us.
1: That's it. Okay. Bada, bing, bada boom.
0: Okay. We'll see you next week.